Welcome to Health System CIO's interview with Melissa Rappel, Chief Information Security Officer at Children's Hospital and Medical Center. I'm Anthony Guerra, Founder and Editor-in-Chief. Melissa, thanks for joining me. Pleasure to be here today. All right, great. Um, I'd like to, an interesting place to start, I think, with these types of interviews is to talk about your career path and sort of how you wound up um, where you are. You know, it's not just healthcare, it's not just IT, it's healthcare, IT, security. So it's pretty specific niche. So how'd you wind up there? Wow, what a fabulous question. And what a great uh, journey as I look back on it. I've been in this space since 1994. So uh, I guess we can do the math with however long that is. Um, and around 1994, I took a position at a nonprofit and they had not uh, put in a network before. So um, I was, I think, uh, young enough, eager enough, naive enough to uh, take on that task. And so uh, my my bachelor's degree with it was in public administration. So literally, I had no technical background, at least, uh, you know, from an education standpoint. But I was curious mm -hmm. and I had great mentors in the space. So I had the CIOs at both of our hospitals who are also um, the, the it was the two hospitals in Lincoln, Nebraska. And uh, they they worked with us because we we're a nonprofit and they were generous with their time. I took appropriate. I took, you know, MCSE classes, networking classes, and uh, we worked together and we literally took this it was an old hospital, which was where the nonprofit was located and, you know, Kate built a network from the ground up and what amazing opportunity. So uh, I was there for 24 years. It was a wonderful organization. I thoroughly enjoyed my time there and I got to do everything. I got to do networking. I got to do system administration. I got to do, there wasn't an, I, we got to put in our first electronic medical records you know, software package, and we subsequently upgraded those. So the amount of experience that I uh, was able to draw from that role was really tremendous. I went back and got my master's in health informatics and um, really wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. And then I became uh, certified in corporate compliance, which uh, because of course you wear a lot of hats at a nonprofit. So I was their IT director, their InfoSec director, you know what I mean? And also their corporate compliance officer. And I really loved the compliance and security pieces. So um, uh, let's see, it was in uh, 2017 that I decided to, uh, there was a role that opened up over at NRC Health as their director of information security. And I took that uh, position. And that was really a great uh, role as well, uh, focusing solely on uh, InfoSec. And I went and uh, got my CISP and uh, really started driving a formalized uh, security program there. They'd already had uh, the great bones and structure, and we just took it and expanded on that. And then uh, obviously this role opened up at Children's. And so I took that position. And again, they had never had a uh, CISO before. So walking into this role and building, uh, develop, you know, finding which framework you want to follow and um, getting your staff and the team together. So that's kind of my, my journey. It was, you know what, it was a lot of just 
I don't want to call them happy accidents, but Mm -hmm. a lot of things that I was able to work somewhere that allowed me to pursue my passion and my strengths and literally gave me all the rope that I needed or the rain to go and take on new projects and expand things. And I had great mentors along the way. What do you think it is about or is or was about compliance and security that, that drew you to that part of information technology? I think that I realized, especially when putting in the electronic medical records, that, you know, because HIPAA wasn't, you know, when I first started, there was no HIPAA. So um, when HIPAA, when we started looking at that and the implementations, no, the implications (laughs) of, couldn't even make that word happen today. I need more tea. And the uh, the implications. Implications. Got it. Yes. I mean, looking at that, Um, I really realized that we need better security uh, over our health information and selfishly for myself, for my family, um, you know, for, for my friends, it's, and then looking at our patients and those we serve, you know, I felt very strongly that uh, we needed controls and boundaries and was uh, really drawn to um, how can you design and implement a system and put those necessary controls and restrictions in place. So um, I think that's really what drew me because I, I understood some of the shortcomings back in those days and uh, was really drawn to what can we do to Make it so it works operationally, but also that people understand, you know, people have a, a right to privacy just because all of the, elect, the your records aren't in a paper chart anymore doesn't mean that those same, you know, privacy concerns because you before you could go see, you know, Melissa, go take a chart and you'd be like, whose chart are you pulling, you know? And, and that was your controls. It's like, why are they pulling those charts? It would be a physical mm-hmm review and then taking that to all electronic and realizing no one's reviewing that to see if that's appropriate. And so I think that, uh, that that's kind of what drew me to that and realizing the technology could help us do what maybe just some folks in med rec were able to, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> do as part mm-hmm. of their, their, uh, you know, other duties as assigned. Right. Right. You talked about, uh, the restrictions that uh, security professionals have to put in, get to put in to secure the information. You saw a little bit of a possibility of a Wild West out there at the beginning pre-HIPAA and said, well, this is a little, this is a little crazy. They got to put some controls in here. Um, one, of the, one of the main keys for CISOs and security professionals to be effective is to balance that security, uh, those restrictions and the security with usability right? It's always that, that fun line. You want it as locked down as possible, but people still have to use the systems. How have you navigated that balance? Partnerships. I really think having good partnerships with um, like our CMIO uh, and uh, our CMO and literally the clinical and the, the providers, you know, at, the folks that are doing that care and having those conversations um, because that, that is what serves uh, me very well. For, for me, I can go and share with them the risks and the, you know, the potential vulnerabilities for doing something a specific way and providing an option to say, well, rather than, you know, using a generic username, you know, let's look at tying this in uh, to our SSO and use multi-factor and, 
really discussing with them the security benefits and have them give me that feedback of the operational impact. So a lot, most of the times when you present it, I, I get a lot of, that makes a lot of sense. So uh, I think having those very straightforward and candid conversations is, is really what's helped me gain that balance. And then also um, the ability to partner closely with audit and legal um, and compliance so that we are all on the same page so it's not just one of us hanging ourselves out there to say <laughs> right you know so we we've really got to be able to be that risk uh risk group where we can go and share the potential impact of you know a practice that doesn't necessarily beat you know standards can you talk a little bit more about articulating risk to the to the to the users that are going to make that type of decision. I mean, is it a process where you give them choices sometimes? Where it's okay, you could, we could do A, B, or C, and here's the risk associated with each, with each. And then when you're saying here's the risk, can you give me any more information about how you're articulating that? Um, what that means? When you know, go ahead. Thank you. Um, what I can share is, uh, unfortunately, all you have to do is click on any news site and you can definitely show risk. So you can look and say, this is how Anthem was breached. This is how one of our fellow uh, partner healthcare organizations were breached. And you can use those real world examples of credential compromise or um you know, you've got maybe some some web vulnerabilities and, and we need to look at, you know, looking at it, uh, maybe bringing that in house, putting it behind a load balancer, just talking about the vulnerabilities. But more or less, when we're talking about uh, our providers, it's generally it's a lot of operational conversations about multi-factor, about using single sign-on, not generic passwords, having to change your passwords. And those those conversations to me are, are pretty straightforward because I can point to, I mean, off the top of my head, uh, a half a dozen and share, look, uh, this is this is this is a risk that these organizations took, and uh, they weren't successful. They gambled, they lost, and and the the impact was huge. So it sounds like um, most CISOs are going to be out there. You're going to be consuming an awful lot of information, an awful lot of news, <laughs> right? I mean, seriously, you must have all kinds of Google alerts and everything because. Yes. You want to know about every incident that happens so you can leverage it in a positive way for your organization. You also want to know about all the threat intelligence. I'm sure you, you yep. talk about that a little bit. So I, I'm imagining a CISO as someone who's got to be interested in and willing to consume an incredible amount of information because they need to be aware of everything going on. Well, yeah, it's and it takes a village, right? So uh, I've got a great team. We, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, uh, omnipotent and can it can obviously take every single source. So, uh, you know, a lot of uh, our team works collectively. We have daily standups. We talk about, um, you know, things that we've seen, alerts we've uh, received, and and really have those risk conversations on a daily basis is what we do. Um, what changes do we need to make? What do we need to put forward to, uh, you know, mitigate against a potential, you know, uh, vulnerability that's brought to our attention? Or how do we, for example, that zero click uh, uh, mm. iPhone piece, yeah. right? 
Uh, so we just use that as an opportunity to uh, do some education for uh, all of our employees. And we posted that on our intranet and just real, I'm not, I wasn't as concerned necessarily about our own managed devices with that exploit, but that was a great opportunity to see that people are going to see this in the news. What does this mean? And here's some action that they can take. And I like to give our uh, folks information that benefits them personally so that they become have a little bit of investment into the message that I'm sharing. So if it's not all about we need you to do this again, you know, within our four walls or with with our system, but this also benefits them at home. So that way that when they see messages from me, they they're like, hey, I might get something out of this, a personal benefit. So Right. So they, they know that not every message from you is like I'm getting slapped on the knuckles. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not Debbie Downer every single time. Here's right. some, it might not be the funnest thing to uh, to have to go through and do to put some additional security settings on. Um, but that is that is what's to me. I think if I'm looking at other content, I like to have something that's meaningful to me in mm-hmm. that content, something that resonates with me personally, for myself, for my family, et cetera. And I think that using that formula for our folks to get, so they get something out of it that, you know, it's not all just, don't forget, mm-hmm, <laughs> you mm-hmm. need to lock your workstations. Right, right. And as you mentioned, you're staying abreast on on breaches going on around the industry, probably not just in healthcare, but maybe right. in comparable sized organizations. And yeah. you're you're evaluating those on an individual basis to say, could this happen to us? And if so, why? And, and if not, you know, if so, what can we do about it? And then perhaps bringing that to uh, decision makers who would authorize you to do whatever it is you wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, definitely sounds like a, a great idea and a best practice. Um, I'm going to ask you, you could answer this two ways. You can either talk about a few of the things you're working on, or if you'd prefer, you can talk at a high level about maybe some best practice trends that, that you really believe in. Um, you know, I'm sure there's that sort of laundry list of the top five, six thing every CISO has to do, but anything come to mind there, things that sort of piqued your interest, you're just like, we absolutely have to do this. I joined Children's in April of 2020. And when uh, I walked in the door, there were, you know, like anybody with a I say you just get a fresh set of eyes, right? Mm-hmm. You can walk in and looking at, and literally coming off a ransomware event at my previous employer. And so uh, I definitely think that all CISOs are served by having a good EDR tool. I think to me, not having a good EDR tool in your tool uh, box really, it, it, it puts a lot of burden on your staff. And I think that um, having that implementing that was, was really a big win for us. Also logging was huge Mm -hmm. getting logging. We need to see what, what we can't see, you know, uh, you don't know what to protect if you don't know where your vulnerabilities are. So I think for me, it's EDR, it's logging, it's good boundary protections. Um, the buzzword, oh, well, let me, let me finish that thought. Uh, you know, obviously a two factor off critical, Mm -hmm critical is two factor off. Um, you should making sure that you've got all these rogue SaaS tools and applications, making sure you're tying those in um, using SSO and obviously into your two factor solution. So uh, and account reviews, big account reviews, people 
you know, that's often overlooked. And uh, the last one I would say that, you know, within the 18 months or that I've been here is uh, vendor management. So healthcare has lots of uh, partners and, um, you know, I, I love our vendors, but they also can open us up to a lot of risk. Uh, you don't, the vendors that we have in healthcare, to me, are not on par with uh, from a security perspective, as you would see in other industries. And so getting a, a way to vet uh, the vendors before you, you know, execute contracts and move forward with those vendors and, you know, investigating their practices and how they're going to secure your or safeguard your data. How do they do user management um, and account reviews? So those are probably, if, if those were the big topic items for me when I walked in the door. When you talk about vendor management, we're talking about business associate agreements or, or more than that? More than that. So obviously you want a business associate agreement because really, but in the end, really the business associate agreement that just says, okay, well, when I get breached, this is, you know, you're, you're on the hook and this is, you know, your responsibilities for that. But more than that, you need to have some due diligence before you work move forward with a vendor, you need to do security risk assessments. You need to make sure that if they're a SaaS solution, have you done any monitoring of their uh, their environment? You know, there's several tools out there that you could use um, to see what what's their score. <laughs> what, mm -hmm. Have they been breached lately? Um, you know, have they had any known web vulnerabilities that have been discovered? And, um, you know, if they have a SOC, reviewing their SOC, looking at any of their compliance materials. So, yeah, I think really diving in, they're your partners. And it's shocking how much data our partners have. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it, it is shocking how much data our partners have. And um, people don't fully understand what they're doing with that data. You said there, there's some ways you can get sort of uh, neutral third-party information on the vendors. I mean, or yeah. is a lot of it them self-reporting, meaning, hey, fill this out and tell me how great you are at security, and then you have to take <laughs> their word their word for it. Yeah, no kidding. Um, we actually are uh, using, we're uh, going live actually with two tools. So we, uh, we actually, for us, I don't know if you share the tool information that you use here. So if not, I can speak high level, but there's two tools that we're putting in. One focused solely on the risk assessment. And it's a nice, easy, straightforward way for the vendor to self-report, upload any documentation, policies, uh, you know, sock audits, et cetera, uh, sock reports that they can um, they can do. And then the other is a, a monitoring tool that you go ahead and you you enter in that organization and it will do uh, that passive monitoring and give you risk scores for the vendor. Yeah, definitely a, a big deal, right? With all the vendors we're dealing with. Um, you mentioned boundary protect protections. Um, talk to me, talk to me about the idea that th there is no perimeter and that it's all going to be about identity now, identity management. Oh, what isn't that think? the isn't that the bus buzzword of of twenty twenty one? Zero so trust. Think? If I get any more zero trust emails, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think that I think for some sectors, zero trust is going to be a lot easier to get to. I think for it's always going to be a hybrid approach for healthcare. I honestly, I don't think we'll get our vendors to where we need it to be. I just. Uh, I, I love the premise and I loathe passwords. So I, I definitely, you know, obviously it has instant appeal for everyone. Um, to your point about boundaryless, especially with the hybrid workforce, obviously I'm talking to you remotely. 
And I think that I just think that it's going to take healthcare a lot longer to get there. Uh, I mean, the budgets that you're going to need to get where you need to be for a zero trust for us, it's going to be a, it's going to be, you know, five year journey plus. Yeah. I spoke to a CISO who I think it said it took him three years to get it done. He got it done somewhere, but it was, he said it was, it was a bear. It's not easy. Well, well, and you've got to have all the buy-in, right? Yeah. So you've got to have everybody willing to, I mean, that's, that's a mother of all projects. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have, you know, cross departmental, you know, buy-in to do that. You've got to have someone saying, you know, this, we're going all in, this is what we're doing. And um, I think that I'm, I'm not going to roll that out. I just think that that's a, that is a uh, journey that is 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 going to be a steep hill to climb. But excited about the opportunity. Also excited to see how, um, you know, the buzzword how zero trust evolves too. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's the kind of thing where you can work towards it, and and it's always positive to be working towards it, even if you never get there? For example, an organization that's maybe thirty percent down the zero trust road is not as quite as good as someone who's sixty percent. I think it's a journey to your point. Exactly right. I, I definitely don't think just, I, I, I'm not looking at it saying, Oh, that's so much. I can never do it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at that saying, what can we, where, what pieces can we start to bite off? And so we're doing some road mapping and working with um, of course, some vendors to uh, help us uh, design a uh, five-year plan. So where can we start, you know, what incremental changes can we implement and how do we budget and how do we, you know, what's the operational impact of that? So it's kind of like, you know, any of those large scale organizational wide changes, it's just, you have to look at, you know, the whole change management process of something of that scope. So to your point, I I definitely think that we're just going to, we're at the very precipice of our journey. And um, we, we definitely have it in our sites and we are doing road mapping and we will start, it'll be a hybrid approach for a long time, but you've just got to start, got to start your way down the, 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 the path, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned when you were listing off the things that, you know, you believe in or you're working on, or you think are important, you mentioned about seven, eight things. So there's the science to being a CISO, right? There's some of this stuff. There's lists. There's there's specific things. Do A, B, C, D, and E. And you mentioned a bunch of those things. Mm-hmm. Where does the rub come in? It's not easy being a CISO. We know that. So why is it not as simple as, hey, do these 10 things and you're good? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. But, well, you know, it's because it's... it's um a game of, uh, it's, it's an arms race. Mm -hmm. So I think that you can put those pieces in place, but you still, you know, there, the adversary isn't static. So it is just a constant change and pivot in strategy based on risk. So, um, and then you, uh, you open up new, uh, you know, threat vectors, right? So, For example, you can be like, okay, we've done all of our stuff. We put this out here. We feel fairly confident. Oh, well, now we're going to go into the cloud. We're just going to take all of our data and we want to move it over into the cloud. Or, you know, now we want to start doing, you know, data warehousing and data analytics and other, you know, other types of, uh, you know, 
other offerings or other or other methods to just you know take your risk surface and mm. expand it. So it's that's just, a really good point. Never, so you're you're morphing yeah. and changing and moving just as the bad guys are morphing and changing. So nothing is static. Nothing is static. And then you've got those pesky humans. Well, so your users who keep clicking on silly everything. links and emails. Right. You know, I know. I tell you, although you have to, you have to give it to some of our tools. The tools are getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, but just as like, just back to the arms race, as soon as the tools get better, then they'll just find another way to, um, to uh, approach an organization. So they're like, we're not doing, we're not, not effective with email. Well, w- now we're going to make maybe focus just on web links or whatever, you know, we're mm-hmm. going to embed it in websites that they would normally look at. And uh, then we'll go ahead and give them drive-by uh, malware. So. And the social engineering to me is, is the most interesting, right? That's the, they get a little information from this person yeah. and from this person and then they use that little bits of information they've collected to really target a third person. And they've got a lot of believable stuff in their email about, oh, Sally said this and we know you're buying that and boom, right? It's shocking how much uh, data that that is out there on each of us and that can be leveraged. Uh, and, you know, some of these breaches, you know, like well, they've shared, it's some of this is just so scary because literally it's it's just a whole warehouse you know it's like kind of like an amazon for bad guys oh yeah you know looking for Mm -hmm. you know uh you know data on someone and and how to you know if you wanted to attack someone or or direct target them i should say it's getting easier and easier to do that uh we combat that with i literally personally feel it's important to do every single new employee orientation. So we have new employee orientation twice, twice a month. And lately it's been three times a month and I get 15 to 20 minutes with them and just share exactly what I'm talking with you about to say, it's not Brad in a basement trying to hack your password. That's not how this works anymore. These are scripted targeted attacks and we have to, you know, our understanding of them has to mature so that we can all do a better job of protecting the organization. Yeah. Um, and where do you come down on on sort of when issues arise? Um, you know, healthcare wants to be big and happy and everybody hold each other's hand. So if somebody clicks on something, do you just, um, you know, take them out for coffee and say, we'll get them, we'll do better next time? And does that ever end? Does that ever happy, nice end? And you say, hey, I'm sorry, you can't work here anymore. Um, One of my favorite, uh, it's not a favorite story, but a a good story that I'll I'll share with you and how I approach this is we had an individual, uh, not here, but uh, this person was just known to click everything. (laughs) And so, um, and it was, the help desk could tell you who this person was. And so we had an incident where, you know, it was a, a a business email compromise that was localized. And so we, my thought was, you know, we've done some gentle coaching. So it's like, now you get to be part of the process. So now you get to come into our area, sit with us, go through, see the impact of this and literally had her spend some time in there as we were going through everything just so that 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 individual had visibility into the impact of their actions. And I'll tell you what, that person became the biggest InfoSec advocate in the org. And I think it's because they don't understand 
you know, yeah, fine. I clicked that and you had to do the one thing and you know, that's, you know, sad. And so now it was like, no, they're like, wow, I had no idea, even though we'd done some of that coaching. So I think I'm very much a, a carrot before a stick person, because I'd rather win them over to my side and have them, you know, be, be, as I say, on the InfoSec team and one of our, you know, you know, best folks that can help defend us rather than come at them with the, the stick. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. Um, just a couple of more quick, one, maybe two more quick questions. Um, cyber insurance. I've heard a lot of stories about it's incredibly difficult to buy it now. Uh, you have to show that you have many, many security tools and procedures in place. And it's much, much more expensive even than it was a year ago, probably because of all the ransomware. And they're mm -hmm. trying to figure out how they're going to pay for all this stuff. Have you experienced some of that or, or your general thoughts on, on the security issue? I'm sorry, the insurance issue. Yeah, my general thoughts on that would be you're exactly correct. I think that, uh, you know, their insurance is a business. So they they know exactly the risk. You know, they're get, before it was a, a spreadsheet or a questionnaire and you filled it out and then that was it. And, you know, you got your insurance. Now it's, it's not like that at all. There's uh, spreadsheets, questionnaires, in-person interviews, evidence. So I think that like any other business, they're they're looking at their payouts and they're looking at their risk portfolio. So when when you talk about monitoring, I, we we saw that we had someone monitoring us, and I'm quite certain that that is probably our cyber liability insurance carrier. When I was talking about the ongoing monitor, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that gives you an idea. I mean, I don't know that for certain, but I would I would <laughs> I would bet pretty highly if I were them, that's what I would do. Right. And so I think that uh, that just shows how savvy they're getting. And, and rightfully so. All right, Melissa, that's about all I had. Are any final thoughts you want to offer? Um, if you want to just speak to your peers, uh, CISOs at other hospitals and health systems, um, anything, any final words of advice that you want to offer them? Well, congratulations and keep up the hard work, everyone. <laughs> this is not an easy role, as, as everybody knows. So, you know, kudos to everybody. Um, and, and as everyone well knows, I don't feel that I'm going to share anything that would be, um, you know, some wise nugget, I guess. But as everyone knows, I think the most important thing that, that makes a, a CISO, someone in this role effective is relationships. Because you have to be able to tell a story. You have to have an ability to share and, and break that information down and tell the story of risk and tell the story of how, you know, collectively we can make changes to, to reduce or mitigate risk. And, you know, they've got to feel that they're a part of the journey, not being talked to and told what to do, but a part of the story and a part of the solution. So that that is what has served me in my role is relationship building and storytelling. That's fantastic, Melissa. I want to thank you so much for your time today. I think this is going to be really enjoyable for our listeners. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You have a great day. Hey, you too. Bye-bye.